This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film, life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Audrey Blyde. Hello. Hello. Lovely to be here. Lovely to have you here. Now, Audrey, first question, first and foremost question that everyone needs to know, first and primary question, who are you and what (laughs) do you do? Wow. Um, Who am I? Yeah, I guess... You know, I probably, when I introduce myself to people, I say that I'm an actor, um, but honestly, I'm more of a bartender these really? days. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I, I, the line that I tell people when people are like, oh, so what do you do? Is I say, oh, I'm an, I'm an actor depending on the week, because uh-huh. I feel like that removes a lot of the, um, <laughs> you know, when, when you're like, oh, I'm an actor and people are like, oh, like, what does that mean? And mm-hmm. I recently, I went on a date with someone in July, who was a, a tradie and he grew up in Western Sydney and didn't, he just had never really considered that actors were, were, um, anything other than like famous people. Like I thought he, you were about to just say people. And I was <laughs> no, like no, really concerned. No, like he, I think he just thought that all actors were famous people uh, and he didn't know the concept of a yeah, jobbing yeah, yeah. actor and, um, and stuff. And so sometimes when you meet people and, they're trying to figure you out. Yeah. Um, like, what What do you mean? I haven't heard of you when you're an actor. I'm, so that's the line that I use really is <laughs> I'm an actor depending on the week. Um, but, yeah, I'm an, I'm an actor. I love that. <laughs> I love that it's an actor depending on the week and I and I love that that is, you know, only famous people can be actors. <laughs> like, you Look, cannot. It's not, it's not true, but so often, you know, I think in Australia in general there's a lot of misconception about yeah. The arts and what an artist is and um, especially, you know, older generations and like my parents' generations still don't really understand what I do. Well, you so. do. Basically, like I think if you work as a freelancer or you work as like mm. a non-contract based, which is basically what an actor is really, it's yeah. kind of like unless you get a long running form, you're really kind of like only attached to a, a project for so long. And yeah. that I think most parents think of that as not like financially. <laughs> a real job, yeah. yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. Like also though, I think I think it's particularly our generation. Like it's it swings and roundabouts mm. nowadays. And you know, like I don't know when you were born, but I was born in '92. So it's like you know, young baby back then. And then like I think like the '90s was the era where people were like suddenly like full time work was you know stable jobs. And then suddenly 2000s happened and everyone was like, nah, go, go yeah, like, there's full this, loose and Yeah, there's this big kind of societal push to, um, you know, pursue whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Um, and pursue your own individualism and your mm. own self of expression above anything else. So it's, yeah. we've had a real culture shift from um, even like one generation back. So there's still quite a um, miscommunication, I think, um, depending on who you're speaking to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, did you, when you were little, though, was this always kind of like, were you always driven to be an actor? Was that always a determination? No, no it wasn't. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to, to do at all, honestly, growing up. I really enjoyed school and I, um, <clears throat> I yeah, I, I don't, I think for one, one for a while I used to say I wanted to be a marine biologist, but I okay. don't think that that was actually ever true. I think I just liked the idea of swimming with dolphins or something. Um, <laughs> and But, yeah, and then I, I was very obsessed with community theatre and drama growing yep. up and ab- obsessed. Yeah. Was in terrible, terrible productions, anything that I could do. 
at school or, or outside of school. I was always doing that. And um, I was always aware that I was good at it. Mm-hmm. I was good. I had a, I had good natural ability. I had, you know, from rel- teachers or other class members, I always got good feedback and I could mm-hmm. sense that there was something that I possessed within me. But I, I always, you know, was never particularly confident in that. I thought it probably was just a big smish, big fish in a small pond yeah. um, thing. And so kind of when I graduated, I, I really excelled at drama in high school, not academically, really. I think I only got band five. Oh, can I say that's pretty good, though? Like, <laughs> but um, yeah, and so it was in my gap year when I kind of decided, um, I would, yeah, I did a I did a six month acting course at the Actors Centre. Oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah. and that was kind of the, a, a different environment. Yeah, more than just you know associated with, um, yeah, like. It's, like a school attachment thing, you know, yeah. it was, it was suddenly you're getting into people who, who took it more seriously. Yeah. Took it more seriously. And so yeah. I think I did that and then I was like, okay, no, I'm, I'm good here too. I think I'm going to audition for drama schools. And yeah. when you hear about how competitive that is, God, yeah. I think when I did get into WAPA, so I went to WAPA from, mm. from 2015 to 2017. Yeah. Um, when I kind of got in, I was like, okay, this is some sort of confirmation that I'm not, yeah. Like I am, I do possess a natural, a natural ability and yeah. Yeah. So I guess. And then that's, I kind of, when I got to go to uni and make art every day, that's when I really loved, I was like, yeah, I want to do this. This is so fun. <laughs> and also there was nothing else I wanted to do yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's uh, like, I, that's great. But always I like it that you're like, there's nothing else for me <laughs> in life. Yeah. Um, just this. But I mean, like, I feel like. You know, especially with the competitiveness of WAPA. And, you know, and I've I've met a lot of people who come out of WAPA. And I remember, like, I used to work at the Seymour Centre. So you'd see a lot of the WAPA grads and, and you know, like, stuff like that. And it was always kind of interesting watching people showcase. It was, mm-hmm. like, the most awkward or nerve-wracking thing mm-hmm. you'd watch. Because mm-hmm. some of the scenes were either great or they were just terrible. <laughs> it was yeah. so hit and miss. It's so tough because, you know, we're not, you know, like, we're create. You know, like, I'm a creative person. Um, but not a business minded yeah. person. And so it was really, it was really tough, you know, selecting scenes, selecting the person to do the scene with. Um, and, you know, you're having various different input um, from teachers or, or whoever about what roles you suit and where we should pitch you and how mm. we should kind of direct. You. So it was quite, yeah, I wasn't good at that kind of business minded, I am a product yeah. stuff. And that was, it was quite a difficult shift in from, suddenly for the first time in third year, that's what we were now thinking about. And it was quite, mm, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, very nerve wracking, I think. Do you feel like now, especially, you know, having time away from it as well and away from education that you feel like it's sort of taught you a lot, but also made you more grounded in, in sort of like how you see yourself as an outside like product, as you say? Um. I guess so. I'm still not very good at it uh, <laughs> at all. And in fact, I've had a lot of conflict with my agent. Oh, conflict's probably a strong word. Yeah. Um, a lot of um, confusion and disagreement with my acting agents mm. over the years about roles that they put me up for and things that I suit. Um, especially my first year out, I was getting a lot of auditions for kind of all American teenager stuff and um, 
and commercials where they would end up hiring models and I think my agents had this had this kind of view of what I suited but really I I had more and it took this time took time to learn but mm. I think I've always had more of a mature disposition and mm. I was never going to play you know all American teenager kind of roles and um yeah I'm still trying to figure out my niche in the industry really because um yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think, I think it's a kind of like a disposition as well. And I and I know, you know, probably from a female acting kind of point of view as well, because there is a little bit of a difference between your male counterparts who just can kind of, I guess, be, you know, less so these days. I think back, back in the day, though, if you were, you know, I remember like one of my friends who I knew when he was in his 50s was in Home and Away. And back then he was like super like ripped and everything. And then like mm-hmm. that didn't obviously stay in his 50s. He was, <laughs> wasn't quite as fit as he used to be. But he did say that it was very interesting because that was the training ground for him. It was so fast paced. But he also said that it was kind of not the best environment in some ways because it, like because you didn't get much rehearsal time and because it was always, but mm. also they did, he did feel like he was miscast and stuff. And, you know, they, mm. he knew more about who he wanted to play than probably, you know, the producers or the, you know, like the casting agents and stuff. And I feel it's very interesting now, like even now where I see, you know, that actors take form that I don't think suits, like, mm. or I, yeah. I don't, or, you know, or very limited to, and, um, like I just watched Keely Halls, um, who's a great um, mm-hmm. British actress, and she's amazing. And I watched her in The Midwich Cuckoos, um, and uh, it's it's like one of those things that I uh, when I when I see um, uh, people who I think are good roles, and you know she's she I think she's now in her fifties versus like when I saw her in other shows when she was younger and you know younger and and stuff, and she's played a various amount of career like Kate Blanchett and stuff. I think when you have that sort of I don't give a fuck like mm. just gonna do anything it's kind of a more of a you know less pigeonholed and yeah. I feel like you know agents want to sell they don't yeah. they, you know it's a lot of like I can see where the disagreements come from because like they want to sell the product and maybe you know they seem it as a limited like you're like mm. cheese on a shelf who's gonna <laughs> eat the cheese like yeah yeah, especially in in the early days of your career, it's like beggars can't be choosers. You yeah, kind of whatever whatever you get, this kind of like is kind of what you do. Yeah, and maybe and I didn't always have that with roles necessarily, but even auditions, you know, mm. like something comes through and I kind of read it and I was like, I just, I just don't think this is for me. But nevertheless, you do it. Mm. And unfortunately, what happened for me was in my first year out, I kind of got into this cycle of doing these a lot of auditions that I ultimately think I didn't suit or wasn't playing to my strengths I suppose or mm. and um wasn't getting callbacks and wasn't getting jobs and instead of kind of at the time having the thought of like maybe maybe these is it's just setting me up for failure I just I try, focused on what I could control which was my own performance and I was like mm. I must be a bad actor I must be bad at auditioning um and it took a lot of time and negotiation I think to kind of be like yeah mm, I don't yeah that's not quite right I think we should try and Maybe I'm 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 just being put up for roles that aren't suitable for me, and I there's there are a range of roles that I can play. Let's see what's become more available. And as I've gotten older, I think that has become yeah. much more clear because I think I'm growing into the age of roles that I've always suited. If that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it does, and I think um, you d- do grow as you. <laughs> I like that you sort of grow into your roles. Um, <laughs> 
I definitely think that, it, particularly like when I wanted to be an actor, and I looked particularly young until mm. I was probably about twenty eight, and then suddenly it was just like I aged. <laughs> <laughs> but before then, I always had like a really young disposition, mm, yeah. and I think I found that frustrating. Um, because I was like, I want to play more mature roles. Like mm. if I would ever get back into acting yeah. and I think I've always been more interested at like in performance in mature roles and, and like driven sort of like to that older kind of like distinguished characters, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, the young, like hip, cool, I could never play. <laughs> um, but I do think that it's very interesting because, you know, like I, I do consider, do you think that people have always thought you were older because of the way you've presented than you actually are. Yeah, that's, yeah, usually when over the course of my life, yeah, when I tell people how old I am, they're like, oh, really? I thought you were older. That's usually, but it's happening less and less. I mean, I actually get older. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it, you know, it's in societal, it's very impolite to ask people how they are. I know. Um, but do you, like, I, I find that, like, I think it was the moment I turned 30. And, you know, like anyone who knows me, I turned 30 already. Um, but it's it's one of those things that I, I feel like I looked at photos of myself, headshots, even like three, four years ago, and I look mm. so much younger. Mm. I'm like, what happened? Mm. Like, where did all these age wrinkles come from? <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you like aging, though? Are you embracing every moment um, of it? I do like, I do like aging. I think I've, I've always, you know... I'd rather sacrifice youth and beauty for um, experience, yeah. wisdom and experience. Um, there are, you know, I really feel like um, COVID kind of curtailed the last of my kind of, I mean, I'm 27 now, which is really not that old, <laughs> but I, I feel like COVID curtailed the kind of last of my kind of young years where you can yeah. kind of get away with, you know, <laughs> like going out late and all. I mean, I can still do this stuff. It's all a construct, but you know, like, f- you know, like yeah. I, I do, I think COVID did make me feel older and more responsible and a lot more world weary. Um, but I do like getting older. I, you know, I love experiencing and new things and there's more I want to do. And, mm. um, yeah, I think as well being in a creative, um, part on a creative path, it means that you're not kind of, you don't subscribe to this kind of capitalist lie of how your life has to go, right? Like mm. you graduate school, you go to uni, graduate, you buy the car, then you save for a house deposit, you get a partner, you get married you do all these things whereas I think you know I've done so many different weird jobs and yeah um you know I've accepted that um unless a miraculous job comes up that changes my life overnight it's my career is going to be a slow build Mm. and um you know and I don't I don't really feel the weird constraints of this capitalist path of you need to do x y and z by this age yeah and I think that being in a creative lifestyle where you're really swimming upstream um which is really hard but in one sense it's it's really liberated me yeah i i agree with that i think like you know covid's been i say often the best thing that's happened to me Mm. because i think it made me slow down and Mm. it was like the best thing because then i kind of realized what i wanted and Mm. i was like because i don't conform to capitalist society at all i'm just like financially i'm like eh, it supports a lot of things that i do but mm. in terms of long run i'm not here for monetary gain mm. i'm not really here for mm. like you know woo i've got heaps of money don't really care about money what i do care about is experience and you know i guess 
you know, expanding my knowledge and expanding my expertise. And I definitely think that whether it's been like short films or, you know, projects that my friends have done, whether I think that, you know, like it doesn't matter what I think of the quality, but it, it, experiencing everything with every different person has shaped me more in mm. the last two years than I think. Yeah. Um, but I also would have said about my younger self that it was very blinkered vision. I kind of used to, you know, I went through that like early 20s where I was like, I know everything and I know best. <laughs> and you clearly don't. Mm-hmm. You know jack shit about anything. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think yeah. that kind of like makes you, you know, especially because I feel like when, you know, we're young, we kind of hope that everyone thinks we're amazing. And I still meet people like this who have got that young attitude where like I'm the best thing that, mm. you know, is sliced bread. And it's never true because I feel like the industry, especially that, you know, like you talk about having part-time jobs and, you know, and, and lots of different work, the, the days that I used to, you know, work on a casual basis, I loved because I, you know, got to do so many Mm. weird stuff. Mm. And then, you know, the moment I took full-time work, I I found the time. Mm. I found, I made sure I found the time to do other things outside of work because it's very funny when I meet a lot of friends and you know, who have like spent their entire twenties just working full time and never doing anything mm. outside of their work life, and just going, "This is my job," and then I go home, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "How do you do that?" Yeah, like there are so many things I want to do, whether it's like write a story, write, you know, you know, jot an idea down, watch, you know, go to the cinema and watch a movie that I've been inspired by, and you know, all these things. And people just go, "No, I liked that movie," or "I didn't like that." Mm. It's like, what? How? Mm, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think like that. Are yeah. you the same where you kind of like, you know, do lots of little things outside of your mundaneness? Yeah, I yeah. I I call it like the itch. Like this <laughs> if I <laughs> Yeah, like I get this creative itch. If mm. I haven't done anything in a while, I just I just I'm so unsettled and mm. need to try and do things. I started doing this weird um these weird lists in, in twenty nineteen <laughs> where in 2019, it was a very difficult year for me in lots of ways. I kind of, um, it, yeah, a lot of, um, I came to the understanding that I was carrying a lot of grief from my own failed expectations of what mm. I thought life would be like for me. Mm. Um, and for ver- and various different things from relationship breakdown to not, not getting certain roles that I had been really hoping that I would get and just kind of calcifying that, oh, this is a, a jobbing actor where the hustle doesn't end and it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, and um, and and just feeling so disempowered and, you know, kind of stuck in Sydney or whatever. I started doing these lists of, of it started over summer. It was a, a things that I would do over summer and it was anything from making a Christmas wreath to going to that um, museum that I had never been to within Sydney and all of these different <laughs> tasks and I do it every every summer mm. and it's just a way of, of for me to f- kind of really intentionally enjoy life where I am in yeah. Sydney right now and and um, it's really good for like when friends are like what do you want to do I'm like okay let's look on my list and um, <laughs> we can it's been cool I've you know I'm, I'm in Sydney now I'm in Sydney for whatever reason and um and, you know, when you feel disempowered to kind of make steps in your life that you really want, it's just a really nice way to kind of step outside of mm. that the daily grind and just go and go to that beach that you've never been to and, and see that new site or um, do something weird. Like I went adult roller skating. 
Oh, that's sick. I know. And like I've <laughs> never done that. But I was like, why Why the hell not? Like let's do something different today. And then, you know, it's, you know, it's just yeah. a nice way to try and keep myself excited and have things to look forward to Yeah, um, that I can control, I think. I, yeah. I, I find that very interesting as well because, you know, they, I'm very similar, not not personally about the lists, but I, I have like, because I love that <laughs> list idea though. I will steal that. Um, um, but I, I do like have that idea that, you know, you go, you have things that you want to do or want to try. And I think one of the things that are particularly like, you know, for the last few years, um, particularly, I used to kind of like, you know, value everything on my relationships and a lot of like, you know, caring for people. And I had this realization yesterday as well. I was watching the Selena Gomez documentary mm-hmm. on Apple T- um, Apple Plus, and I had this realization, which I th- I don't think I'd had I had had inklings of um, for a long time, especially with creativity and stuff. But I didn't realize until more recently that I think growing up, especially in high school, because I didn't know that many creative people, I thought having projects and having something creative meant people liked you Mm. and had this real sense to pull towards you. Mm. But I didn't do as much for myself to kind of like benefit. And I, Mm. and it's funny, like being an adult now and sort of realizing that like, you know, there's a little bit of psychological elements to that. Um, But now I'm like, oh, that's right. You know, I don't have to, you know, no one, no one's disappointed of something like I mean mm. you know people are disappointed if something doesn't happen but if I want to go and do something I can just also go and do it and you know enjoy that experience mm. and I think very much before it was like no everyone has to join me so that I can make an experience for people mm. and therefore they you know like that level of satisf- um, satisfaction and in that kind of way but it's very kind of like it was just a thing that I thought of last night I was like this is very like odd because <laughs> but it's so true because you know it's it's a very kind of like weird vulnerable state to be in especially as a child you think why what attracts us to arts mm. and what attracts us to doing things and having experiences and it's mostly people mm. and sharing experiences like how often do you go and do something alone um still quite often okay. I'm, i think i'm good at being alone <laughs> i love going to the theater alone I love going to the cinema alone. Love that. Uh, you know, it's that classic Julia Cameron, the artist way, artist dates. <laughs> you know, it's it's um being comfortable with your own thoughts and yeah. feeling. Yeah, and often I'll go with people, but sometimes if you can't find anyone to go with, I'm like, oh, I'll go by myself. It's fine. I love that though. Yeah. And um and then sometimes it just gives you space to really think about let letting art affect you without mm. any kind of Lens. Sometimes it's so, you know, sometimes my best friend um, is and is kind of my partner in crime and, and she's some, we have very similar ways of how we kind of digest art and sometimes I'm just like, oh, I wish she was here so we could discuss this. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, sometimes it's so nice to just without any kind of expectation or needing to discuss it, you just let art affect you. Yeah. Um, and so that's, uh, yeah, I, I do like going to art galleries and things alone and, um, it's very, and sitting with it, yeah. Yeah, it's very it's very interesting. Are you one of those people who, like, gets very emotionally affected by it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Because, like. Yeah. For, for me, that is that is really good art, is yeah. stuff that emotionally affects me, whether it's it, it moves you, um, 
you know, to tears or makes you laugh or makes you think or whatever. It's like there is there is an impact that – and for me, I'm a very feelings person. Mm. Um, so for me, that's – and an good art is something that you engage with and it, yeah. it, it shifts you. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's my favourite kind of, you know, yeah. art that I or, – or things that I see which I just don't – I think, oh, that's not aesthetically pleasing but I don't feel anything yeah. is not – going to be as impactful to me as something that really made me feel a visceral response yeah i'm i i, I think that's like you know if you're going to the cinema and <laughs> watching watching a film that's you know like very interesting but not feeling anything in it, mm, then i'm yeah. worried yeah totally yeah. And some things can be you know intellectually fascinating but yeah if, if it doesn't affect you it's just not as powerful in my opinion i think i think it's very interesting that you say that as well because i feel like some of the bit you know like i'm i'm the worst when it comes to like um because i often cry during films and stuff like that i'm I'm, (laughs) i get emotionally attached to everything Mm -hmm. um but yeah like i'm the same i used to love going to the art gallery alone especially like probably more pre-pandemic i think the pandemic kind of made me stay at home a lot but pre-pandemic i would go to the art gallery at least like once a month Mm. um i would go to the cinema every two weeks i would go and see a movie and I would often go to the theatre when I could. Like, I just loved all that stuff. I thought it really kind of opened mm. me up. Same with, like, books and stuff, mm. I, I think, um, and, you know, and music. I think a lot of people just kind of, like, you know, it's it's very interesting when I always hear people just go, oh, that was a good film. And I'm like, but what did you like about yes. it? Like, yeah, yeah. tell me, tell yeah, me everything. There's nothing. I love discussing films and ideas. And it's they're the best kind of films is when you go, oh, my gosh, like, what about that? element and what about this and mm. discussing I do a lot of um a lot of work that I have found myself doing is is play developments oh and um yeah that's a I, I, it's just a line of work that I've fallen into a lot I think I might I think I must have a a dramaturgical brain that I think yeah off, I think people see and then they think oh Audrey might be good for this project so I've done a lot of play developments and um, it's my favourite thing, you know, mm. talking about a story and structure and how it affects all the characters and the whole arc and what does it say to the audience and what does it say about life and really discussing with other creatives and the writer and if there's a director in the room as well. Mm. That's just my favourite thing is discussing ideas and um, it's, yeah, it's so exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Like how did that fall into your lap? Good question. I um, <laughs> The first one I ever did was... Um, I just volunteered to be a reader at a um, – it was at a part of a um, play reading festival um, as part of Mardi Gras a few years ago and I oh, wow. volunteered to be a they, – so they were all celebrating new works by um, LGBTQI-identifying writers mm. and I decided to be a volunteer actor in it. And um, I, yeah, was part of a couple of different works but there was one work in particular um, about – a, well, the, the play's shifted a lot about what it's about <laughs> over the. I've worked on it with this this one playwright for like three years now. Wow. We have we have multiple different stages of development. He's he's really come back to it. Um, and um, yeah. So I we did this show and and afterwards after we kind of did this one reading, he invited everyone else to to everyone that was involved in the reading to to um get a drink at the Newtown Hotel, and I was the only person that turned up. Wow. Which was so weird because I was just like, why would you not? Anyway, and um, he was like, what do you think about the play? And I just was like, 
can I be honest with you? And he said, yes. And I was like, it's, it's really misogynistic. Wow. And he was like, okay, wow, let's talk about that. Because he, obviously that was not his intention, but yeah. it was, it was kind of a, a story that he had written based off his own life mm. um, about him coming out as a bisexual man. And part of that was leaving a really toxic marriage to a yeah. woman. And I was reading for the part of his ex-wife and, and um, what he, and, you know, it, it came, basically it was misogynistic because that character was underdeveloped. That's why she just didn't have much depth to her anyway. Yeah. And so he really responded. We had a great chat that night over a couple of pints and um, he's always kind of looped me back into the project whenever he's developed it. And it's really come a long way. And um, yeah. And then just, I think, you know, one, you get recommended for other bits of creative work. So I've done a couple with him, with that same company that often produce these developments and then through other people that I think that they recommended me to. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. I do love it. I mean, like, I love that you flagged the misogynistic angle as well. <laughs> well, he, I mean, part of it was he, him, he was such a warm, generous, open person that was yeah. not, he was so brave, I think, in being like, tell me what you think about my work. So it was, he was very receptive to that. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I could obviously tell that that was not his intention as well. No. But I was like, this, you, someone needs to. And also I was the only woman that was involved in the in the yeah. initial project. So I was like, okay, someone needs to call this. And it needs to um, be me. And <laughs> it needs to be me. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, like, that's always the, the thing as well, um, you know, I, I love that about, you know, like play developments or just like developing an, a concept in general is when you kind of like nitpick it apart. But it's great that you found a writer because I often feel like writers are very precious. Mm. They're very precious about how their content is created and and the style. And, you know, it's really interesting when you're like so open and warm about your idea and just going, mm. oh, yeah, let's pick it apart. Like let's yeah, let's dissect it. Yeah, you've got to be really brave. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because a lot of yeah. I've met a lot of writers who just don't like anything changed. They've they're very totally. structured too, mm -hmm. and you know, like I've been in that position as well, where I'm like, oh, it's my baby. I don't want to like mm -hmm. destroy it and have someone pick it apart. But sometimes it needs to be like this isn't you know there's elements that don't work yeah. or you know where's where's it get lost in translation like, mm -hmm. um, and I I think that it's 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 kind of where you see the best plays, especially like I don't know if you rem um. I remember watching like development plays and stuff very early on when like, um, you know, watching like their one-off performances and stuff and whether they were any good or not. And sometimes I used to go and see those, especially um, mm. they used to have them on the CMOS Center mm -hmm. when I was working mm -hmm. there. And that was always very interesting because when you saw plays that really shouldn't have ever been made or yeah. the ones that were you had potential yeah. but they weren't cast well or they weren't thought out like there was mm -hmm. something in the middle that I was like this is missing about mm -hmm. 50 ideas in it yeah. like do you are you more now self like you, are you more critical now when you go and see performances because of this play development skill that you've <laughs> developed um I am very critical when I <laughs> for better or for worse I'm very critical when I see um, work, but I, I'm, um, but I'm also, I think quite generous as well. Like yeah. I know what it is to, that there's, you know, there's so many moving parts to a production. It's, yeah. you can't put, you know, it's, it's unfair to say, oh, that was terrible. That whole play was terrible. You know, <laughs> I think you can have moments of your own private thought yeah. um, of what you thought worked and what didn't work and various performances that you thought were just a little bit misjudged or you know um 
so and I th- yeah I know from being in the midst of bad plays myself yeah. like it's it's so much more than just like a single element it's so how much it ties together mm. um yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> the question I, I i love that you were, you you took a second mm. to be like mm. Mm. yeah yeah uh, yeah i mean like I, I i i do agree with that i don't think it's just one like tiny element that's mm. like everything is crucial to this one moment yeah. but i've i've seen i've definitely seen like uh, especially knowing some people who started out and they're seeing their first work or seeing ideas that they've written and then over time mm. when they've developed plays like i know a few write, um playwrights and you know, watching them develop ideas versus when they start. You're yeah. like, you can see the element, the idea there, but you're just like, there's so many yeah. like factors that you need yeah. to slim down. Yeah. And it's also as well, the context in which you're critical, you know, like, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, often if you're going to see new Australian work, you know, firstly, we've, it's Sydney's particularly ruthless, I think, of not letting people fail. Um, I feel like we're very judgy, like very judgy, very quickly. Because it's so competitive here, you know, and there's a shortage of space and all this kind of thing. (laughs) You know, I, you know, we've, it has, it's, there's such a fine line between going and supporting new work and supporting artists growth and development. um, And also, you know, being critical and being like, well, if you're inviting a paying audience, you can't be this level of, you know, what it is. So it's just, it's just funny. I think there's a context in which you, arrive with a generosity of spirit and yeah and can be really positive about what some what's been developed and what's been and then other things you go and see and you just think that's no you know for bell shakespeare that that was terrible you know like yeah that's terrible you know whatever it is i think it's also like uh, it's it's you always got to lead with good ideas and bad ideas i think it's like you, mm. you you're pros and your cons because i feel like there's always good elements especially with you know i say this about any film that's ever made because as a creator of content as well like i don't mm. think everything i've made is perfect like I, the, the nine times out of ten it's terrible <laughs> or it's miss oh, yeah. hit the but i think um you know it's when someone goes that's great and i'm like i can see the flaws but i'm glad glad you don't Mm. because I know what I'm you know yeah and often as well I find you know if with close people that are are close to me and whose whose opinion I and judgment I really honor often often if they give me their honest feedback about work that I'm in it's just an affirmation for me because so often I'm like you're right and I felt the same way through that process you know Mm. we lacked this or we really struggled with this element or we didn't quite hit that point Mm. or whatever and so so often I find it affirming that actually not even though we didn't execute it the fact that I was able to identify that in some way or I felt that there was something missing means Mm. that I do have you know there is a good critical brain that I have you know that I could identify that even if we didn't achieve it it, you know it's all part of learning I've never been on any experience where I haven't learned something Mm. you know and I feel like whether it's performing or anything or you know like writing and going oh I actually repeated myself like I've already said that and you know that's why I think also asking people is like the best thing because it's like you know like people have different feedback and and all the time and I've sent ideas out to people and they've had different various things of oh I love that or I didn't like that you know and like you ask about five people that I trust and then sometimes I ask five random people I'm like oh You've never mm. seen this work before. Let's see what you think yeah. and how, you know, they might be super close to me and they might also not be. And it's really interesting when some people are like, that's a great idea and they barely know me and they're mm. like, that's really solid. Mm. And that's always, I think, like, 
the it's kind of goes back to that Hollywood idea where you show a random bunch of test audiences mm-hmm. at your screening and they go, I like this, I don't like yeah. this because they're not like it's that idea of like what, trial and error. Let's let's mm-hmm. see what sticks and what doesn't. But I've never gone into a scenario where I guess I'm super reliant on you know particularly it. I guess making this exorbitant amount of fame because it, uh, you know, like back in the day, you know, I used to think exposure, everyone, you know, mm-hmm. famous, you know, mm-hmm. celebrity status. We go back to that, um, and now I'm just like, as long as everyone's enjoying it and it's a project that everyone thinks is worthwhile, mm. that's probably where I think I feel mm. more like affirmed and satisfied, especially with my career. Mm. Versus like, you know, I know some people who are never satisfied with anything they've ever done. And I'm content with the past practice. Like I'm, I look at my old um, uh, high school HSC video, which it, it's online. And it was this sort of like thing that I filmed on a handy cam. And I don't hate it. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's not great. Um, but I think it's quite funny and it's quite mm. sweet. And, you know, like it's clearly an 18-year-old me, like, mm. you know, with braces mm. and mm. acting in it and, you know, going, this is doable. And I, you know, like years later, I, I think of like, oh, these are the things I could do better about it, but I'm not going to redo it. I'm not going to think totally. I need to redo this yeah. and make it better. Um, mm. You know, like I feel like that's the the difference is when you see people to retry, retread yeah. um, like constantly um, old ideas. Do you, mm. do you feel like, I mean, it's also like with play development, you know, because you talk about three years and stuff, you know, we spend every idea if we're writing a concept or we're creating something from scratch to probably five years or six years of our life invested in this idea. Mm. And then some of those ideas don't ever see the light of day. Like, how do you mentally prepare for that as well? Yeah. I mean, I am, yeah, I don't really do much writing myself, so I personally haven't had that um, that experience of what if my idea never comes to light yeah um like giving up on a on a project or an idea like usually i'm not spearheading the project i am a functionality you're for a, something else and you're i a cog in yes some w- and i will do my job and that's satisfying and yeah. that's nice and ultimately the end product whatever it is yeah is not my problem i suppose like you know it would be so lovely to to see it get to a place where mm. it's help you know um, whatever the writer wants it to be. Um, but, yeah, I, it's funny you say I find it really hard to watch back my old work. Really? I, yeah. And um, I think I have to do it with a lot of compassion <laughs> um, because, you know, you, you have to say to yourself, um, <laughs> like, I did as best as I could with the resources that I had at the time yeah. and every experience – I hope will make me a better actor. And so the next project I do, I will hopefully do better work than I did. But all the time I think about a show that I didn't think, oh, I wouldn't do it that way now, you know. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that I hated or thought that it wasn't good at the time. Yeah. It's just it's just the more that you grow and learn and you just think, oh, I would have made a different choice there. And that's okay. Yeah. You just have to try and look back with compassion, even though I'm not really good at doing that. I have to tell myself. <laughs> Oh yeah, and and I, it's God. There, there. That is true as well. Like, there's a lot of you know. You've got to be compassionate and and self reflect. But I mean, like, you know, whether I I think also when I particularly have made stuff, and I think I come, you know, like especially when I direct, and you know, I've directed stuff in the past. I've definitely thought, oh, that direction wasn't strong, or that mm. could have been better, or that you know, like I've often thought that. 
Um, but then, the, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, that was great. You know, that was, like, fine. That, you know, that did its job. Um, and, yeah, it's I, I got to be more <laughs> compassionate than mm-hmm. just self-critical. But it's so funny because, you know, I consider everything a slice of time as well. Like, you living that slice of time. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm 30 now. I'm not, you know, 18 or 22 or anything like that. That was me back then. So now, as an adult, I'm like, oh, you know, an adult quotation marks. Uh, everything is, like, very, you know, theoretical at this point. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I think, you know, when I reflect on previous projects that I, I, I can't, you know, be too critical of myself. Like, you know, it's mm. not even compassion. It's just, I can't, you yeah. know, think of, I almost think of it as a different version of me. Mm. That's, that, that's the mm. only way I probably can watch like a lot of things. Um, but, you know, I, I guess it's also kind of like a weird legacy. It's mm. like your own little personal legacy. Cause I, I you know, like the back in the day, uh, especially like if we were born like 50, years ago or you know something like that the only way we could have ever been on film was to you know crack the industry and and be there and now we've got phones we've got like you know like mini dslr cameras you know Mm. audio mics you know clearly home set podcast setups you know people can do almost anything now and i think Mm. while that's great there is a little bit of like how good are people at you know like understanding the the fundamental basics of like Mm. getting ahead and you know and the competitiveness it goes back to that like you know Mm. we talk about like self-worth and self-drive like you know where do we see ourselves on the pecking order like Mm. you know do you do you see now especially now like you know you talk about like taking everything as like day by day and you know like moment by moment in terms of your career and everything where do you hope, I guess, for yourself in 10 years? Like, what are you hoping yeah. and versus what is your reality expectation of that? Yeah. I think my dream is to just be a full-time actor, mm. you know, just to not have to um, supplement my work with other things that I don't really want to do. Yeah, Even though there's great, you know, I love the – the pub that I work at now at the moment and there's, you know, great life lessons and great people that you meet and great stories that, you you know, like nothing's wasted. But I think I would just love to be able to go from job to job and do what I do and make, do what I want to do and make art every day. That would be the dream, I think. And I don't necessarily want um, to be rich and famous, though financial security would be nice. (laughs) And with, with, um, there are some positives to, being more well known, like not having to be in that meat grinder of auditioning all the time, and, yeah, and um, having a certain kind of veneration and respect within the industry is lovely. Who doesn't want that? But um, yeah, I think I just, I just would love to be a full full time actor, really, in whatever way that looks like. Because I think you know, moving from project to project, you learn different things about the the time that whatever you're doing set and. There's always research to be done. It's always so exciting. So, yeah, that's what I'd love to do. I think that's the that's the dream. Can I say that? I love that dream. That's mm, a great dream. Thank you. Um, but it's a it's a very simple dream as well. It's not mm. a very like complicated and hard dream to achieve. Well. Except yeah, well, except <laughs> except modern competitiveness because yeah. like you know I I do know friends who like you know are older than 
you know, both of us. And they talk about like, they're like, oh, my career's over and stuff. And I'm like, I think it was like something I read recently, which was like Morgan Freeman didn't actually become famous until he was 50. And, you yeah. know, if, what if you famous actors didn't actually get noticed until much later yeah. in life? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I like watched something with Ryan Reynolds, like when he was young and chubby, uh, like he was very not like the, you know, and I think it took him so many films to get where he is today. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you're not going to always hit the mark the first few years, you know, you might hit it when you're 40, you might hit it when you're 50. Like mm. I, I think it goes back to that pedestal where we sit in the hierarchy and where we see ourselves and, you know, and, and in terms of, you know, what makes us and, you know, what is the process of making us? Um, and, I don't know. It's it comes down to me as self gratification. Like, what have I achieved in the last two years? What have I done? And whether that's made me sort of eternally my, like my cup is full in terms of self, you know, um, like in the last two years, I feel like a lot more people know of my existence because mm. I've done a podcast. Um, but before then, I I feel like people knew me through other means. Like, and and I kind of got to a point where I think it was like 2019, and one of my friends was like a lot of people know you in the industry and I'm like how I've hardly met anyone but people do mm. they just know your name and then mm. they talk about you and then you kind of get recommended for things and you know you just kind of go oh yeah they're a great person to work with or they're a great personality or anything like that so you kind of just get weirdly recommended in this industry like mm. are you <laughs> Do you find, you know, it goes back to your like project development and you know and play uh, play development it's it must be very weird that you're getting, you know, a part of you, you just go, oh, but this isn't me. Like imposter syndrome. Like, mm. you know, that's not me. Yeah, totally. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. All the time. <laughs> I feel like that. <laughs> oh, I can't do that. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. All the time. I, I have feelings like where I just think oh, I'm not good enough for that mm. yet or something, you know, like I'm not, I haven't had enough professional development in order to maybe perform at that level or something or mm. if I did get cast in a massive project I, I don't know if I would be psychologically ready for kind of the pressure that would be expected yeah. of me but you just but like if it happened you of course would, would go for it <laughs> so yeah yeah I don't know it's funny you talk about self self-gratification I think it's I've really struggled with um you know why why we do this stuff because of course you love it and, and you have to love it to be able to sustain yourself doing this, but there also becomes an act of servitude as well that we have to kind of um, uphold as well, you know. Yeah. So, what are we serving the story? Like I think, you know, it's it's just a really fine line between I'm doing this because I love it and what do I want to get out of this project and also how can I serve the project? How can I serve the audience? How can I um, – you know, remove the self from this project. I've really struggled with that yeah. um, concept, actually. Um, as the years go on, that's not a very developed thought, but I know I agree with it though. Yeah. Like I like the where that thought was going. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I I think that's true as well. Like I've I've definitely also I think you know abandoned projects and stuff and abandoned ideas that I've had because I didn't think I was ready to do them mm. um you know whether I thought I ran into them too ambitious and then sort of went oh no nah, uh, you know this has gone along nice and it's chugged along but I don't think I've got the skills or the expertise to really pull this off and I think it needs more life experience 
but I also, you know, like part of me just goes like, it's with my photography as well. And, and, you know, like my dad, my dad and, um, uh, Emily's dad are both very not easy to please always people. Mm -hmm. They're very lovely, but, um, they're both like in terms of photography, very highly critical. And they've both said, oh, you do good photography. And I'm like, I always think, no, I don't. It's terrible. Like, it's just, you know, it's your average stuff. Um, but it is interesting because, like, I compare myself to others. And that's where I sort of sit on that, you know, like, constantly looking at other work and, you know, and everything. I think there's a real, like, sense of value because I've been terrible. Like, one of the things particular, I've always been very bad at ha- putting a price on me. And, and really think of me as, like, goes back to that product thing. Like, how much am I actually worth? A lot of the time, I say nothing. So, it's, like, easy, free work. You take me as labor. But it's yeah. it's not true because I've gotten to this point where I'm, like, you know, I am worth something. I am worth mm. time. I'm worth energy. And I'm worth, uh, and I'm worth like, m- at some point, money. And, you know, like, I feel like that as an adult is not a hard ask, but man, does it make people really not like you very quickly. Mm -hmm. They're like, Oh, you, you have a price now and you're not like, it's like, how dare you? (laughs) But but it's, it's true because I feel like, um, people don't know what to do with the fact that, you know, like, you know, someone puts a price on, especially with friends. Like they're like, I'm not Mm. free labor as much anymore. Like I can't just always cater to, freeness um you know i know we're close but you know i can't you know just empty my time willy-nilly because then i would do it for everyone do you get to that point with your you know are you hoping to get that point with your acting like all the time or do you do still occasionally do free stuff i do a lot of free stuff (laughs) where i am right now (laughs) um um and i guess so it would be lovely to to be you know just just to be able to sustain being an actor you have to get paid and so mm. that would obviously be like ideal yeah and it depends on the project of course you know and the distribution of the project and if the producers are making money off this then I should be making money off this but if it's a very good friend of mine's passion project yeah um I will you know I would do that for free and I would do that to help them out or you know I have this um <clears throat> I kind of have this rule if it's a um unpaid work or independent theatre production or what have you, I have this kind of five five kind of things that I say to myself. It's do I like the director? Do I like the role? Is it a good role for me? Yeah. Do I like the other cast? Um, do I like the company? And is it a great space? Or so, I, yeah. I don't know if that's well, – I think that's the correct five. <laughs> and it has to be four of those five things for me to deem it worth it to do it. Really? Um, because it's not sustainable otherwise. Mm. Like you can't – you know, thrash yourself for a project that's not really worth it in the end if you're not making money off it. But, um, yeah, it depends on the context of, of the work, I think. Yeah. I decide to do it for free. I think absolutely. And I think you could also, like, with free projects, it's got to be fun. Mm. And I think it's, yeah, inter- it's interesting because, like, I, I've gotten to that point, especially with some of the projects that I've been doing recently, which, you know, seems like an ache and a pain. Um, <laughs> but I, I've definitely, like, with some of my own, I've gotten to the point where I think because a lot of people were doing it, you know, favours for me, I got really probably kind of more irritated when time wasn't important. Like, you'd organise something and then people had to pull out or something like And it was just, I was like... I, this burns my energy and burns my batteries, which 
I think is like when you, it's your own passion project and stuff, you've got to make it worthwhile mm. for yourself as well. Yeah. Like it's really weird. Like, cause yeah. you know, I believe that yes, treat everyone because they're all doing you favors, but at the same time, no one mess anyone else around. And it's because then everyone's going to feel tired. Like yeah. it's going to be like, we've had to reschedule like 50 times. Yeah. Um, and I, and I feel like when I've done favors for friends as well, and I've helped them with their, you know, passion projects and short films and stuff. I always try and make sure that they know if I can't do something, I let them know mm. or something's come up and I'm going, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. You know, give them notice. Yeah. But I've, I've definitely, you know, I understand that frustration and pain because I'm like, well, I've been there and I've, you know, it's it's really annoying when you've spent all this time trying to yeah. organize everything and then something, you know, and one part of the cog just disappears. Or yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, there's no perfect world. I think, especially when you're, you know, not paying anyone. And I, like, I used to think this, like, mentality, and I, and I do a lot now, which is if you're, you know, if you sign up for something and you agree to do something, you kind of agree to do it. You don't, like, you know, if paid work comes up, you just you know, try and rejig your life around mm-hmm. where that paperwork can sit mm-hmm. in. But you don't like, unless you've given finite notice, it's probably best you don't pull out. It's yeah. funny because I, I you know, like I, lo- I thought of that, especially when I left, you know, you know, TAFE and tertiary education. But a lot of my friends don't think that. They think that that's a very fine thing to kind of pull mm. out, reg- you know, when it's paid work. Yeah, wow. And I don't know. I don't know if that's like, the value I see on especially understanding how hard it is to make something and the tireless efforts mm. that actually it is to write it, to, you know, produce it, to organize like five to 20 people in one location to get, you know, like if you're filming location permits, you know, all this stuff um, to get it all organized. And, you know, that's the, that's the hard part. And then getting mm. people to turn up mm-hmm. is is even harder. Yeah. Um, there's no easy route. And I think it's the same with plays and, you know, and stuff. And you know, like I've seen, you know, people drop in and out of plays. And, you know, I think the pandemic taught me a lot about that as well to really value. But I think it's it's done the other thing for some people. I think it's like flipped them on their heads where they're only consider like super, super well-paid things mm-hmm. as what they're worthwhile. It's interesting because, yeah, it's like a mental health thing or, you know, like, but what's your thoughts on that? Like that sort of mentality of like, you know, pulling out of projects, especially if, or if paid work comes along. Hmm. I think you have to be really discerning early on about what you say yes to. Yeah. So just really thinking about it, you know, asking to see a script before you say yes to, you know, who, who's involved, um, what, what exactly will be the demands if, if I'm, you know, if I say yeah. yes to this project or, or what have you. Um, and then, yeah, I think, and yeah, if, if it's, if you think that something paid might come up, then making that expectation aware. I think yeah. if I was maybe, you know, doing an unpaid short film or something um, and it, I would, pro- you know, establishing that expectation that if I do get paid work in this time, I will most likely go and do that. Yeah. Um. Because, you know, I don't think anyone can really blame you. There's such a scarcity of actual oh, paid God, work yeah. out there for actors. You'd be a fool to say no, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's actually happened to me, though. So I don't think <laughs> I've ever had to choose between projects. I'm not that in demand. <laughs> um, I, did, I did find it funny, mm. though. As well. Like, I think it was more of a tape thing as well. I did 
we did have actors drop in and out. Like that was very much like, yeah. because when you're a student, at, totally. at, like everything's yeah. swap and changeable. Because yeah. most, most actors don't want to work on student projects. They're like, yeah. you know, the last thing you yeah. really want to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, but everyone's got to start somewhere, especially. Totally. Like, totally. Um, and again, it's just that the expectation of what the project's going to be. If you're, if you're mm. hoping to get a certain amount of self-fulfillment from this student project, you're yeah. probably going into it wrong. You've got to approach that project with a spirit of generosity to be like, yeah. okay. you know, like the last student film that I worked on, um, they um, there was a problem with the data wrangling. Oh. And so we had something like seven minutes of footage left on the entire um, memory card. And so we got to do one take of everything. Oh, my God. And it was just so intense. <laughs> Um, and, but, you know, but I was just like, this project's not about me. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's about the, the kids that are working on this, on this project. And so in a way I was, I, you expect something to go wrong. And when it does happen, you go, that's fine. I'm, I'll do whatever you need me to do. Yeah. Um, and just funnily enough though, the lead actor did pull out of that. Of, of that show about a week before they started shooting, but they managed to recast. But yeah. I know you've got to have contingencies for that, don't you? Oh, if God, you're going yeah. to do unpaid work, you just have to have backups. And... Yeah, and it's, and it's yeah. long. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Um, you know, it's, I've had, I've, I love all my, um, you know, sound operators and recorders and mm-hmm. stuff, like um, love them to bits, but I've had like some pull out like a week before shoot or like a few days before shoot and you have to scrounge. You have to uh, yeah. scrounge. Because you, uh, you know, and I love, I've loved all the people, especially the crew that I've worked with. I, I've loved a lot of the actors, but I love, I've mostly loved a lot of the crew that I've worked with because they're all like very genuine mm-hmm. people. And yeah, it's like the more notice they give me when they can't do something, it's, it's the best because it's just yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. You can't, you know, as frustrating as it is, I'm like, I'd rather reschedule to work with you. Or if yeah. you can't do these days, let's, you know, I might have to get someone else. I'm very upfront about that. I'm like, if you can't do these days, I'm going to find someone else who can, because mm-hmm. it's not about you. It's about just getting the product done. Yeah. Um, but some, you know, like some people just make it work. They're like, oh, okay, cool. Then I'm going to make it work. You know, yeah. like w- once you give them that ultimatum, then it's like, this is the new date and you, you're you going to make it work or not. Like yeah. they, they, they stick to their gun. And I admire people who do that because, you know, you can't just, I guess, like keep jumping dates until everyone's happy because no one's ever going to be a hundred percent happy. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do think that my first ever, you know, like my first ever, you know, the HSC film was a prime example. My friend who was being camera operator, we didn't have sound. So we had the sound off the camcorder. It was like mm-hmm. so basic, <laughs> um, you know, and he dropped out um, because at the time he was dating the lead actress um, and then they broke up. And so it was kind of like, you know, I, I probably we filmed over the course of like four weeks and he dropped out after two days of filming. And then I had to film oh it with gosh. my brother and my oh dad my and to fill in. And I and oh. I then asked another friend to help me film. So I was kind of like left really in the lurch. <laughs> and I was like, and the product looked like it's fine. It didn't it score great, I think, in the HSC of drama. But, um, <laughs> but I was proud that I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very interesting because it was kind of one of those conversations that I... Uh, he, you know, it was one of those things that I remember looking back at now is like so silly that, you know, that all happened and we kind of like, he didn't turn up because of a breakup and stuff, but I also kind of get it. But it was so like long ago 
that I'm like, oh, those are the things that kind of kind of fall apart so simply mm-hmm. that you suddenly like you're wrangling your brother and your dad to yeah. kind of help yeah, you finish absolutely. a project. Yeah. And my brother is not a tech person. He's just like, he doubled for me in a scene because I couldn't drive <laughs> at the time as well. So wow. he parked the car in my outfit. Oh, that's amazing. Um, you know, and, and those are the things yeah. that you make work. And like, you know, totally. my my partner, um, Emily is amazing. She She's worked in like film. So, she you know, if I need anything, she is happy to just kind of be like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll help out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when you know you or you i've got friends who are like yeah i'll just fill in a you know whatever you need who don't work in those roles who are just happy to help that's when you have a good network of people who just help you get things done yeah rather than stress honestly i think every every unpaid thing i've ever done at the 11th hour something goes wrong yeah it's always you know whether it's a costume malfunction or this person's pulled out or or what have you, or someone's unwell, or yeah. what you've severely under-rehearsed for whatever reason. There's just, or it's my own psyche that decides, you're not an actor. You <laughs> can't do this. What are you talking, oh my gosh, what? You know, you're not ready. Like, yeah. there's always something that goes wrong. The last the last show that I did, the, ac- an ac- the other lead actor in it, it was a two-hander between me and another actor, and yeah, at the 11th hour, the other actor dropped out. And, um, oh, my goodness. We, we, and so we did a recast at the 11th hour and um, we had one two-hour rehearsal. I had one two-hour rehearsal with this new actor before we opened the show to a paying audience. Wow. So it's, sometimes it's just a miracle and it's just you just, oh, you just absolutely rally, don't you? Yeah. Because you just think, you know, you just think you have to, you have to get this done. <laughs> you have to. There's too much at stake for us to. I know. And so you just adrenaline adrenaline blazing. You just go for it. Your, your, your brain just starts to <laughs> yeah. melt and like you're yeah. like, I can't function. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk to you about mental health as well because mm-hmm. I feel like that's, you know, something that both you and I experienced with doing arts. Mm-hmm. Um, I particularly like, you know, it goes back to that sort of conversation of, you know, like, feeling like the arts was how I made friends and how I connected with people. I feel like as an adult that I've learned a lot about that. Mm. But um, yeah, it was very interesting because my childhood, I I sort of felt like the art was my escapism because I was a very anxious and probably, you know, like I was diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder when I was young. Um, a lot of kids bullied me because Obviously, they didn't know what hyperactivity and like, you know, and what neurodiverse actually meant, um, neurotypical brains. So I think that was a lot of a struggle until, you know, like even now I'm, do, you know, constantly doing research. So being interested in drama and stuff, I was considered the uncool kid in drama because I was so enthusiastic about it. I loved it. And I thought, this is the bee's knees. I get to write and play things and I get to do things. And I think everyone thought of it as a bludge class. Like it was just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the oh, easy yeah. class. You know, like, whatever the fuck, I can do whatever. <laughs> so being now so much invested in it, I do, I, I'm such a tenfold. I'm like, oh, if I can do anything, I will, uh, you know, like that creative itch you talked about, that's how I get things done. And I love it. And I, you know, do all those things. But it does burn me. Like mm. it's the end of, you know, like, constantly my amount of stress is is up here mm-hmm. and my constant anxiety is like simmering around here or here you know like it fluctuates it's like a yeah. boiling kettle are you the same um yeah i um I know. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i opened a can of worms uh i 
yeah, I I am not a super anxious person, which mm. is um my miracle to me. I don't know. I mean <laughs> I mean I do of course get nervous at things and um you know, in a lot of after I think of a period of time, if I go through a lot of particularly difficult auditions and a lot of rejection mm. and a lot of disappointment, I, I do notice that I close off a bit and I'm not as readily ex- – I find acting's harder. I, mm. I, I, I'm not as readily accessible to my, to my emotions because I have subconsciously kind of burnt off my extremities of, of feeling as a self-protective mechanism. And so ah. sometimes sometimes I, I particularly struggle with – returning to vulnerability as an artist in a safe way because yeah. you, it's a pra- it's a learned behaviour yeah. to close yourself off if you're always about to be met with rejection. Um, so often I would go to auditions and feel like nothing. <laughs> and so not, not nervous, not excited, but just nothing. And it was this very weird thing of like, oh, but, but then I wasn't doing particularly good work in the room either because I wasn't being vulnerable. Yeah. I wasn't open to... Um, you know, in that creative flow where you have to be vulnerable and you have to kind of yeah. enter another world. And um, I, I kind of will shut myself off a little bit. I think my mental health is struggles, yeah, after the, after a, um, a disappointment. And it took a while for me. I had this kind of epiphany earlier this year that, you know, they say, um, you know, you need time to rest, time yeah. to take a step away from it. But so often I was like, you know what, I – I'm not – I don't feel tired. I feel defeated. Mm. And that's different because um, I'm like I'm not – I don't feel like I need rest. I'm I'm hungry for work. I just want to work. I just want to have to express myself creatively. Like I feel like I've got so much to give but I'm not being given a parad- – I've not been given a paradigm in which this can mm. happen and I'm being told no and no and – whether I'm bombing auditions or, you know, something about the audition room wasn't set up in a way for me to do my best work or for whatever reason you don't get a project or mm. whether it's from your own fault or various other contingencies, it's sometimes what I'm left feeling is defeated, not tired. Mm. And so then it's like how do I deal with that? Because when you're tired, you rest, but when you're defeated, you need a win. Yeah, but sometimes that's really hard to orchestrate for yourself because you're like, how can I, you know, how can I have a win right now <laughs> when it yeah. seems like you're at the mercy of other people letting you do what you want creatively? So it's it's just so I haven't really figured that one out. Um, but that was a really important distinction that I learned this year, earlier this year, after a particularly difficult period of of um, yeah, being told no a lot and. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Does it, was that just audition based, like a lot of rejection from no, or is it was just yeah. life based as well? And it was well? also knowing that I wasn't doing my best work. I mm. think that's also a part of it is is when you're like, I I could have done better. Yeah. Or I wasn't. I think when you when you know that you've um, ruined an opportunity at your own hand, yeah. that's the worst, isn't it? Because you just think, oh, I I I messed that up. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a it you know whether it's um because of um not having enough time to prepare or being anxious in the room or not relaxed or um just not 
for for whatever reason not hitting it that day. I think yeah. that's the most frustrating thing is when you can't. There's not a catalyst to why you didn't do your best work. I think that's what I really struggle with when you leave and you think, oh, what can I do better? At least I can learn from that is sometimes I'll leave the room and be like, there was this one particular audition where I really suffered afterwards where I, I just did a terrible audition mm. and there was no rhyme or reason to it. I just left. And so in that way I wasn't able to be like, what did I do well and what can I work on better next time as a kind of growth mm. mechanism. It was just like, <laughs> like I don't know why I bombed that and that's so hard. And yeah. um, I think that's really hard to make peace with when there's no clarity around a situation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, out of you feel out of practice and – because that's what that's kind of the thing that happened this year is I for, for the, kind of for the last two years it's all been self tapes right yeah because of COVID and all of this kind of thing which is in one ways has been really hard but in another way amazing and so it was earlier this year I started going back into rehearsal yeah. rooms auditioning in person felt very out of practice very unrelaxed and um, yeah that's kind of when I I kind of suffered through a bit of a period of time and then realized ah oh, it's not rest that I need it's it's um a win. <laughs> yeah. I I agree with that. I think that was a sort of very interesting thought process. Mm. Um because yeah, when you get that win and you go, Oh yeah, I've done it or yeah, I've got this, it's always much more satisfying and, you mm-hmm. know um everything. And I think you know yeah, it's I've definitely had situations where, like, I've had a lot of, like, rejection or, you know, like, in different ways, you know, not necessarily in auditions, but definitely in, like, job opportunities or, you know, opportunities in general and or they haven't lined up or, you know, like, the worst ones were, like, starting out when just people give you an idea of something and then it never happened. You'd never hear of it again and it was like, oh, okay. So there was a lot of those and I, I hated ambiguity. Like, I hated that not knowing. Um but I remember I went I went for a job uh, not long ago, and I you know I was in the meeting, and it was very it was very by the books. It was very mediocre, um, like bureaucratical. I won't say where it was um, due to the respect that I have for the place, but <laughs> um, but it was. It, I remember sitting there and just going, "This is not like." this would be, I, I, I bombed this interview and I knew from the, the, from basically like 10 minutes of sitting in, I was like, I bombed this. Like, Mm. and it wasn't anything I did. It was, it was nothing about what I did. It it just wasn't, there wasn't a vibe. There was like nothing in there that I did wrong. Mm. There just wasn't that I wasn't what they were looking for. I knew from the get go. And I just felt like I was kept in that room for like an extra 40 minutes trying to answer their questions. And they were just going through the motions. Agonizing. Um, And I just was like, this is wonderful. Like, cool. You know, and, and uh, I've definitely, you know, I think it's also, I hate interviews. I hate like job interviews and opportunities like that. And I just, I, I don't get anxious. I just hate, you know, by the book sort of asking questions. Cause there's, I never feel like it's genuine. I never, mm. it's like, um, you know, it's, it feels very basically they're, they're trying to catch you out of what mm. you don't know. Mm. And, um, I, I feel like, you know, there was also an opportunity that I recently had where I could have done a, um, you know, and I unfortunately got COVID, um, during it, or like it was the worst week to get COVID cause it was meant to be really, um, busy and good week. And then I got really sick and it was, I was, uh, one of my friends had reached out and, um, I hope that I get to have another opportunity because I felt really bad, but, um, I was meant to be doing this book talk, um, as a presenter and asking this, um, 
a writer about you know her journey and her experiences writing the book and the reason that she wrote the book and it's you know if you want to go and um, buy it it's in bookshop um, bookshops I hopefully get to interview her one day mm-hmm. um, I have said to her that I'd love her on um, but I remember particularly with my friend I messaged her about three days out and said I've got COVID mm. and she had to speed read the book because she had no one else to replace me with mm. and like she put me forward and I felt so bad because mm. she fought for me to be in that position I was like oh no like I can't do this so uh, I feel like the worst person that week mm. and I was like sitting there and I just was like I you know really want to make it up to her for that experience because it was like there was nothing I could have done but I remember she asked me for notes and my because my I was so sick and I had you know, I was getting progressively worse. I actually hadn't written that many notes because I was going to write them like a couple of nights before, but my brain couldn't come out with any. So mm-hmm. I actually sent her like half an hour before she went on, I sent all my notes. I was like, this is not the right time to send notes. <laughs> so she did this like interview and apparently it went really well, but I was just like, I felt so bad because I was like, this isn't, you know, you vouched for me to be there and it's, you know, oh, it's just everything mm-hmm. sort of felt like it fell apart that week. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the worst time to get, you know, like sick. But it, I mean, like when's the right time I to know, get sick? I know, there's never a convenient time to get sick. Um, but, you know, like those are the experiences that I feel like, you know, really define mm-hmm. the, the, everything that you do and especially the struggle, um, you know, a, a, and it's sort of like, yeah, it goes back to self-criticism and self-reflection. Because, I mean, like, the you know, like, it goes to, you know, knowing, you know, there's no, you know, you know you failed. You know from the get-go you failed. You have to move on, though. It's mm-hmm. such a weird feeling. You just have to let that go. Yeah. You, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Are you good at that, though? No, <laughs> I'm not particularly good at that. I, I don't think, especially I have very high standards myself mm. as well and um have you always had high standards though yes i think so i get it from my mother <laughs> <laughs> i love this genetic you're like this yes, is from mum. my mother also has a very high standard very high standards and i you know struggle with perfectionism and yeah <clears throat> and all of that lovely um quality um but yeah i think because I'm still in the thick of it. I'm still working through it. I think I'm still working through how to um, audition well. Yeah. And how to, you know, learning about what I can do in the interim in between auditions and jobs about how I can best support myself to be ready. Yeah. For, you know, and practicing and, um, you know, being ready yeah, to audition again or whatever it is. Because um, you taking a break at the moment, do you think? To, taking a break. Yeah, from, from a do- <laughs> regularly auditioning and destroying yourself. Um, I mean, I – so I – the last – I did a show. The last um, theatre show I did was over the long weekend in October. Oh, lovely. And that was really hard. I felt very drained from that. Mm. I mean, that it was a great experience and I learned a lot actually and – um. I was very inspired by the people that I did it with because they um, were just so unapologetic, unapologetically mm. artists and they didn't subscribe to this kind of um, definitive quality of work that they thought that they needed to 
be, if mm. that makes sense. Like they made their own art, believed in it and didn't care if other people thought it was good or not. They thought it was good and that's awesome. And that was very inspiring because I'm much more self-conscious about mm. what other people think good acting is, what I think good acting is, what's acceptable in the Australian mm. industry and stuff. Um, but I was very drained by that experience because, as, you know, as we had a recast at the 11th hour, it was very stressful getting it done and um, it was independent theatre. So you, it's always a bit draining, I think, when you're having yeah. to work at the same time and cancel this and that. And um, So I kind of thought for the rest of the year, my own hustle, I'm going to kind of step back on that. But, you know, if my agents get me auditions I'll yeah. and I want to do them, I'll, I'll still do them. And I have an audition this Saturday actually. But um, generally my own kind of hustling work that I do, whether that's yeah. um, building relationships or seeking out my own auditions or opportunities, I was like, okay, I need a bit of a rest from that. Yeah. Um, so I guess I have taken a little bit of a back foot and maybe after Christmas we, we can see. Um, how you know back back to it, but um, mm. also I'm planning to go traveling next year um, for a I'm, long period, probably three months or so. That'd be nice. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, you know, had travel plans in 2020, so that didn't get to happen. So, uh, so also I've taken a bit of a step back so I can get other paid work so that I can save to go traveling. Yeah. So that's just a practicality, but um, yeah, um, so I guess I've stepped back a little bit, but. Um, just o- just open to things at the moment. Yeah. I guess just more like a bit phlegmatic and kind of whatever comes up, I'll do it. But yeah, I like I like that you so also say that you're a bit of a perfectionist because you know, like, not that that's a great trait to always have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think it's something that I relate to as as lo- um as well because it's very like, you know, there's a lot of me that goes, oh, that's not perfect, or you know, like yeah. that's you know, and I feel like there's a grain in everyone's truth, um. But, you know, there is something about, like, I guess, self, you know, like, uh, uh, being unapologetic as artists as well, um, you know, and the the fact that I got to act, like, after eight years of not doing it against some of my friends, and I loved it. And, you know, like, I, wanna, I spoke to one of my friends after, and he was like, oh, I didn't think you'd make those choices, but, you know, like, they weren't bad choices. They just wouldn't have been choices that I would have made. Mm. But, um, and I thought that was really kind of interesting feedback because he was like, no, you weren't bad and, you know, like, you weren't, like, you yeah. know, super rusty or anything like that. Because it, 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 it's one of those things as well when you rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and, you know, you get into the groove of everything. Um, it just felt like, you know, reigniting that old muscle mm-hmm. um, of something that I hadn't done in so long. But it is interesting because, yeah, I used to be so self-conscious, especially like leaving drama school and stuff. Um, you know, I, I got very self-conscious about my performances and stuff like that because I kept comparing myself to others and going, oh, you know, because for some reason I went to the most competitive like <laughs> environment where everyone, you know, wanted to tell each other that they weren't good enough. And, you know, like mm. it was very competitive like that. And I think that's not what art and being actors are. You're all supporting each other and being like, I can do this and you can do this. And, you know, like let's build each other's strengths up. So it is nice hearing that people are unapologetic and they just like what they've done and they're proud of what they've done. Mm -hmm. Cause I've met people who never, you know, like disassociate from projects and just go, I never want to, you know, have my name and, you know, associated, even if it's like not a bad project, they just get funny about like, little things that are like oh that was my worst performance ever so i don't want anyone to ever mm. see the light of day i'm like it's not that bad yeah um <laughs> yeah it's 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 so interesting and i do think that that's a, a trait 
you know, that I've gotten to now where I just reflect and go, everything, you know, th- these are in the past. So, mm. you know, people can watch them. I don't care. Um, are you, you know, are you now good at letting go completely of, of past projects and just letting people see them, even though, like... <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I guess so. Yeah. Like, the especially the, the film that I've done... Yeah, we, there's we, a couple of things that I'm like, no, no one can see that. But generally, I'm like, yeah, you can, you can. People, I mean, I'm not good at ever advertising my work ever. Yeah, you so, did, you did say that. You're yeah. like, you're like, oh, I'm a secret. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just find, I don't know. I find, I think it's this, it's the fear within me that I'm not actually good enough, and that somehow, um, by not by, I mean. Usually what happens is I'm really reluctant to tell people about work that I do until right at the end. And then I'm like, everyone come and see it. Because I'm so nervous that maybe it's not going to be good, even though it's so much more than just my performance. You know, yeah. there's other people that have put so much hard work into a show. It's so arrogant to, to just like oh, base it off my own particular performance in, in a work. But, yeah, usually like in the last week I'll be like, yeah, no, everyone come and see it if I'm if I'm proud of it, which usually I am, I am when it all starts to come together. But, um, yeah, past film work that I'm done, I guess if people really want to seek it out and watch them themselves, they can. But <laughs> I've never been a good person to like post it and be like, everyone watch the as well. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm I don't know. I find it for some reason what about what about what about this what if are you going to be like very good oh, at promo? god i have no probably not <laughs> mainly because i just think what you know i i just don't know if people want to listen to isn't that interesting it, you know i used to be the same as that I, yeah. when i started especially like i had a sit down conversation with my my mother i love it a bit yeah. um and she was like you know, as long as you don't talk about you for too long. Oh, God, I, I was know, like, that's, that's such a particular, like, yeah. typical mother thing to say. And it's like, oh, no one wants to hear about your, you know, like, <laughs> your life. It's Yeah. <laughs> and I I found that really interesting and, and like, it's, there is an element, you know, I don't think, you know, everyone's interested in everyone's lives. You know, it's mm. impossible. Like, you know, yeah. but I, I do think that we surprise people mm. with how many people are actually genuinely interested in what we say and what we do and, you know, and, yeah. you know, because insight is, you know, everything. And I think that's why I've always been, you know, like I always promote things regardless. You know, I'm always it's like, so good of you. you know, here you go, you know, take my two cents. Um, but, you know, I feel like, yeah, half the time people just, I, I, I feel are afraid. They're very in fear of yeah. um, their own thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just don't think I have anything really profound to say um, or particularly original. But if anyone listens to this, I'm very flattered. <laughs> You're like, but, yeah. I think you've had a lot of original oh, things to say. Oh, well, thank you. Um, but it's not, it's just, I'm just enjoying talking about this, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a conversation that we've had rather than I feel like an interview or whatever. So it's, you know, like we're just discussing ideas, which is, it's, it's is always really a, nice. It's always a concept. Yeah. Everything is a concept yeah. or, a, or a hypothetical. Yeah. Um, it's what I, I say everything's theoretical until it's actually proven. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, like I, before we sort of like wrap up, I, I do want to, you know, because. I guess with social media and stuff, you you have a private Instagram, so everything's pretty much like low key on that and your socials. Yes. 
<laughs> you're just like, how Bad do you, millennial. <laughs> how do you promote yourself? Oh, I don't. Um, I don't know. I feel very embarrassed about my social media presence. I don't know why I, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. That's, it's a very interesting thing to think about, I guess, because I just, I don't know why. Um, I'm not Sing it into posting. a tune. <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know why I'm, my, I'm private in the way that I am, especially on, on social media. I'm not sure. I mean, that's totally fine. I think it's like, it's very unusual when people are so public. Yeah. Uh, more so and, and, and stuff. I think it also because, you know, we are millennials. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um. <laughs> also on a practical level, I think. Like, it's funny, like all the time I get weird people uh, or just people that I think are robots or just absolutely no connection want to add me on Instagram. And then I think, oh, no, I like being private because I don't want these people to. I get a lot of weird bots. Me. Yeah. I get a lot of weird bots. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of them are yeah. duplicate sites. A lot of my friends have gotten weird, like, fan sites made of them that are made by bots. And then, you wow. know, it's, it's just weird. Like, you know how they copy and paste and then yeah, just make sure. it a weird sex site, yeah. like, Instagram account? And you're like, <laughs> why? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like, yeah, just made some sweet, sweet cash on the side. Um, if you owned it, but <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that I, I do think that, yeah, like it's the only downside. And I only recently have a private Instagram. Like I have a specifically one that's private, mm. um, because there's certain things that I don't want everyone to see, like, and, and I don't think is always necessary for everyone to see. Um, yeah. and it's very interesting because I didn't think of that for years and it's only been probably in the last year that I'm like, Hmm. Yeah, maybe I am a little bit more. But I also, like, with Facebook, I never post anything really yeah. personal yeah. much. I just yeah. talk about projects. Yeah. And that's it. Totally. I, think. I know. I'm the same. And so then I think in that vein, why do I have a private account if I'm only posting <laughs> about projects that I want people to come and say? Yeah, so I don't know. It's it, don't know. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird it's thing. It's very being, weird. Um, you know what I miss, though, is the days before internet when, you know, the only way you promote yourself is if you had them on, like, signposts and you had your... <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been practicing on having projects in a time before the internet, really. Did you... Um, because I remember, like, I when I worked at the Simmel Center, but someone came in with flyers. Oh, bl bless. And I missed those. I've, I've done a few flyering jobs in my time. Have you? I have. I hate it. <laughs> I did. I once promote. I was once paid to promote a show for Perth Fringe Festival called Sex with Animals. Ew. And, um, yeah, it was like a comedy show, and obviously, I think it was. You know, they were trying to provoke people into coming to see the show but it was yeah. met with so much hostility when i was heading out wires and i just thought oh never again it's i wonder why it's not for me <laughs> i wonder why if it was met with so much someone like some old person just looked at him and oh, yeah oh no yeah yeah let's ban this yeah oh send the cops to the theater <laughs> Um, what was your, I've got a final question though. I want to ask you, what is your, what was your first job? Um, you know, independent job, like when you left school, cause I'm really intrigued. Oh, my, as in my first acting job or my first pay job, pay my, your first pay job ever when ever. I left, when I left high school. Yeah. <clears throat> Ooh. Um, I think it was, um, 
oh, what was it? Just trying to think of a timeline here. <laughs> um, I worked, well, the year out of school, I worked in a pub, a terrible, terrible, horrible. Um, the pub? <laughs> yeah, I was like sexually harassed every day there. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And um, I also worked in a gelato shop. Were you sexually harassed there? No. Thank Christ. No, quite like it was with a whole bunch of Polish people. They owned, oh. Polish family owned it and it was really fun and amazing. No, I was paid $11.20 an hour, which is whenever I would tell people, they would say, that's not even a packet of cigarettes. <laughs> um, I worked at a hair salon briefly, like making appointments and um, oh wow, and stuff. Um, what else did I do? Oh. I don't know. That was all in my gap year. That's a um, pretty extreme. extreme so I had lots yeah. of just weird odd jobs in in my um, gap year. Yeah. Um, and my first ever paid acting job was on Home and Away. What did you play? I played. <laughs> I played uh, Dean's secret half sister. I know you can't make it up, can you? So the character of Dean, I don't even, I don't remember his last name now. I was his secret half sister that, um, his dad was hiding from him, and anyway, it was all very dramatic. And how long um, were you in it for? Two episodes, <laughs> and I stayed secret. I was the point of tension in this, so I was more of a function between the character of Dean and the and the guy that played, um. His dad, I was kind of this point of tension. I oh, I love that. Function in the show. It was really fun and it was so exciting. It was like a first job and um, like Home and Away was such a family, you know, because they, they make yeah. like, I mean, they now make four episodes a week, but when I was on it, it was, they were making five episodes a week. Wow. And so they, all the crew knew each other and it was really fast and relaxed and it was all, um, everyone like knew each other. It was like a family. Yeah. So everyone was like, hey, hey. And um, I got a rehearsal. Which, oh, was, which was amazing, you know. Yeah, because so I, was I was about really, to say, like, was, that's yeah, was, it's their time. Yeah, so I was really eased into it, and um, I got to meet everyone beforehand. And, mm. You know, for such a quick kind of fast turnaround show, they still valued my input. I, we still got to share ideas, even on on set while the camera was rolling. So it was really fun. It was really cool. Well, that's awesome. And just miles away from uh, the gelato shop. <laughs> 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 that was my. I had I had jobs during high school, but. That was, I think, I got that job the summer, yeah, after I graduated school. Is there anywhere yeah. online that that exists now? Those two episodes? Oh yeah, I'm sure, absolutely. I'm gonna do some stalking oh, of those no. two episodes. Oh, my gosh. I looked like Elle Woods. I loved it. It was so from Legally Blonde. It was so oh. fun. I know they dressed me in like this this um kind of like rich girl. Oh, I love that. Like pink getup, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. Oh my yeah. god, that's yeah. so cool! It was cool. It was cool. Yeah. One day you'll return. As the One day, I'll, yeah, I'll come back as Kayla. Yeah, Kayla, just like Kayla, I'll be like I'm back. No longer a secret half sister anymore. I'm now the full. I'm now the full <laughs> half sister. <laughs> Not so secret. Not so secret. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, but that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. I've actually really Thank enjoyed you. this. Oh, I'm very glad. Oh. Um. Weird, but so lovely. To, I'm a bit be, weird, yeah. as in like just to be, you know, to have Interview. this discussion. Yeah, to be know. interviewed. Yeah, 
and kind have of it. just try and forget that the microphone's right there. Oh yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's this? What is this yeah. microphone? I know. Yeah. Just just pretend it doesn't exist. That's yeah. what I say to everyone. Um, so where can people find you? Because obviously, oh god, where can um, they stalk you? Oh god. Um, <laughs> if your Instagram is um, not uh, obviously a bot. You can find me on my Instagram. I might let you follow me. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, it's just my name on Instagram. Otherwise, that's that's it. Really, I don't have a don't website have a or anything. No. Oh, I'm such a bad actor, aren't I? No. I'm a no. bad millennial. Bad. A bad millennial. <laughs> yes. Bad actor. No. <laughs> oh my oh. god. But maybe no. I'll consider making my Instagram. <laughs> I'll consider it. Just, just have a think. Have a mull over the next I few will. months. I will. <laughs> I will. I'll have a mull. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And if you want to go and check out more episodes of Things We Do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week, and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. Goodbye.